Caution. All systems ready. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special joint episode of Declarations of War and the Less Than 10 podcast, episodes 210 and 41, respectively. We are your hosts, Alexei of Card, Feral. Hey, yo. Andy Astronaut. How's it going? And Casper24. What's up, guys? Joint podcast, Faye. I know. I feel bad for people who listen to both of our podcasts because you're getting like a, a content you know, net negative this, yeah. this by week. Your content got <laughs> nerfed. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. It's kind of okay. cool. I mean, I've known you for a really long time, so this you is actually just pitched the, the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pitched the idea. It seemed like a pretty good one. Um, but let's, I don't know. Let's, yeah. let's get into why, why now? I, I'm, everyone's listening. Oh, my God. Joint podcast. When has yeah. this been done? This is the first time in the history of less than 10, is it? Yes, it is. Indy, is this the first time in your history, or are we like the... <laughs> I actually think we've done one before, I want to okay, say. Okay, okay. But, That's like, fair. literal years ago. Yeah. This well, is yeah, historic. so, like, so, um, we'll get into it a little bit later, but, like, my corp died, uh, so I was I was contemplating what to do, um, and uh, I I was talked to you about noir and you were, and there was some other people that I liked flying with that that were thinking that I was like oh maybe they'll we'll all join noir and like small gang and do mercenary stuff uh, on the side and then you kind of just pitched making a corp and bringing in if there's more than just me so that's what we did and then from that discussion we were like why don't we uh, get on the get on a recording together and do a joint podcast that's kind of where it came from. But uh, we'll we'll get in like towards the end of the intro. I can talk about um, Thermo a little bit and and my new corp. Yeah, well, I just want to break down for the audience what what to expect from this show. So we're gonna hear all the juicy details about Thermo. We're gonna hear the details of Faye's new corp and what they're doing within Noir's Alliance, the network. And then we're gonna hop into sort of a, a less than ten themed topic and a declarations of war themed set of topics and you know the at the end of it i think you guys are really going to enjoy it um there's a lot of great stuff we've got some battle reports coming up we've got yeet fleets we've got uh corp drama we have massive isk swings from the noir contract stuff where we took terrible losses and made awesome wins and over the span of three weeks it's been a roller coaster and I can't wait to walk you all through it. But Faye, let's let's set the stage here. What happened to your old corp? Just small, just small ganger things, <laughs> really. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, a lot of people who don't do only small gang and Eve, like because there's a lot of people that kind of dabble in it. Um, but corps that do specifically and only small gang are pretty unique, and there's not that many. And um, corps really aren't that much of an identity to like i don't know what you want to call them like the diehard small gangers because we tend to fly with each other a lot anyway and you know it's important if you're like in a wormhole because it you know 
gives its easy docking rights and bookmark access and stuff. But outside of wormholes, like in Thera, we just use public uh, bookmarks, and it doesn't really matter that much. But but it's it's actually kind of interesting. Um, I mean, everyone that was in Thermo, the recent incarnation of Thermo, will probably have a different opinion. But in my opinion, what kind of happened is um, is uh, we had a group of guys of of people that all flew uh, really tight and like quite blingy, usually, sometimes not. And um, everyone got along really well. And uh, over time, like small gangers tend to also go AFK and like take breaks from the game and stuff and get burnt out because it tends to be a very intense playstyle. Um so basically you start having a couple people drop off and then you have to recruit. But because there's not a lot of small gangers that fly that way, you know, we recruit people who want to get there. They come in and you know you have people who aren't necessarily flying quite expensive stuff or flying quite as aggressively. And uh you rinse and repeat that a couple times. And you end up with a group that is more like, you know, 50-50 between people who aren't flying how they're used to. And what that, the net effect of that is the people that want to fly that way, that is uh, blingy, hyper-aggressive with implants, um, get, it gets to a point where you can't do that because you need to rely on your fleet enough to do things like be really aggressive and clear tackle. And, and a lot of people say you know, oh, you only fly with implants because you want to just get easy kills. But that's not the case at all. Like, a lot of small gangers are incredibly competitive, and they do it to take fights that are ridiculous, that you have no business taking. Um, so it gets to the point where people can't really do that anymore, and the net effect of that is more people want to leave to go to other groups that do that, and then eventually it doesn't feel like the same corp that everyone's used to. And more people kind of go AFK, and you know, it's just the it's it's not very sustainable. I think that's a, a fair statement. Would you agree, Casper, that like in general, small gang corps aren't sustainable? Oh, completely, <laughs> completely. There's a life cycle, I think, to yeah. every single corp. Um, you know, people come, you get too many people. The hardcore guys are like, yo, these are too many people, I don't really want to log on. So kind of a a new corp meta even in personalities form and then those guys will come back and be like well either this isn't the corp i remember and they'll move on themselves or mm. they're just kind of rinse and refresh and kick some of the new meat when they're back and you know you got to blend together well as a corp and if you either you know expand too fast or don't go to the play style or you know your quality of, of fights do go down then the guys who want to fly bingy just move on just as you said so i think that's completely right yeah. It's and interesting that, too. You mentioned like having too many people, and that seems like a very odd statement to most people, I imagine. But I think it's important to point out: the more people you have in your fleet, generally, the harder it is to find a fight because you need to find someone willing to fight that many people. Right? That's my experience. For sure, one hundred percent. Like uh, you know, we talk a lot in the less than ten side of this podcast about how to escalate a fight up, right? And if you're escalating a fight to a max of three or four people in comms, all right, that's kind of easy. You're trying to work up a fight that you want, you know, somebody to fight, uh, like you know, a twenty-man nightmare fleet. That's actually a really, really hard fleet to find. And what's going to happen is people are, are be like, no, 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 don't come. That's too many. And somebody logs on, you know, for two hours of their day to play and they get told, no, don't come. We already have enough. That's kind of, it doesn't work. That means your corpse too big and you have to work too hard to get that fight that involves everybody. 
Well, you guys have... <laughs> you're looking for bigger fleets that are willing to fight you. We find <laughs> fleets that are too big for us to engage maxed out. So it feels like a match made in heaven. <laughs> That's funny. <But> yeah, <laughs> literally that... our last contract. We, I mean, we'll we'll get into it, but you know, we we took on a group that was fairly reasonably sized, and we were going to have competitive fights versus their fleet. Well, they'll just ring up the bat phone, and all of a sudden we're outnumbered three, sometimes four to one, and they, you know, put it in, of course, their favorable time zone. And we're just kind of like sitting there, like, huh, okay, well, yeah. I guess. We're not doing anything because we're totally boxed out. Yeah, that's the tough thing with, I mean, yeah, and, and this is a super interesting topic to me, but that we can get into later about the whole like small gang versus mercenary work, small gang. You know what I mean? Because there's some huge challenges in the mercenary work. And uh, I'm going to find out more about that firsthand because like the corp, so 10, you guys know 10, obviously, co host 10 that was in Thermo. We just decided like, Fuck it, we'll just make our own corp. So we made a corp. It's called Nano Currency. Ten wrote a super cringy corp bio about cryptocurrency. Cringy <laughs> and bios you, are the best. And 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 how it's like a a, a a cryptocurrency based off the nano fiber algorithm. Something. It's anyway. It's pretty funny. Um. So yeah. So we're in in Noir's alliance called the Network. So we're still like living in Thera, small ganging out of Thera. But then when contract stuff comes up um, that looks interesting to us, we can hop on and help with that. So it's kind of cool. Get a bit of variety, but still do what we love. So yeah, should be cool. Should be good times. And I feel like it, it may take some pressure off of you, right? You don't have to necessarily worry as much about recruiting low-skilled people into your corp because you can just borrow low-skilled people from our alliance whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> That's it, that sounds really bad, but like I wouldn't say everyone's low skilled. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, and and it's already happened. Like guys are that are roaming out of there, and they'll like I've seen guys that are in our corp um, just kind of pop in and intermingle and and fly with the guys in the network, even though we're flying out of Thera. And yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. So spread the small gang love around. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited because you know, and we'll get into it, I guess, when we talk about the differences, but that kind of stuff implants in your head, small gang fighting, it's so fun and I'd love to do it, but you know, isn't like you guys said, it's very difficult to make that a sustainable play style. So for higher end network pilots like me, you know, it kind of gives me the option if you guys are doing that regularly, you know, when I am in the mood for it, when I can afford it, when it's when the conditions are right, I can go and do that and have a great time with you guys, but I don't have to make that my entire thing and potentially get burned out on that. So I am pretty excited about the symbiosis we've got going on here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I'd add there too, is I think like we have, so noir is kind of that mix, like you said, where um, you kind of get a mix of people who are willing to do implants and who either don't have the means for it or they're a little bit newer and they're still learning and that kind of thing. And that's very much where Noir is as far as like, I think we have pilots that are willing to do bling ear stuff and flight implants and really want to do like true nano stuff, but we don't have the critical mass of those kind of pilots. So a lot of times we end up downshipping to just kind of cheaper faction stuff um, or like no implants and roaming around like that. So I think at least from our side, it'll, hopefully we'll kind of hit the critical mass of people who are willing to fly like the more blingy stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, 
I want to something we always do on less than 10 is kind of talk about our recent roaming highlights during our intro. So we'll kind of go through that a little bit. But uh, what I've been flying lately more than anything is my Draugr. I fed one and I'm never fitting a boost to a Draugr again because I was soloing and I normally fly long point scram or long point web Draugrs, but I decided to try a boost one again. So like long point and a boost with the MWD for the three mids. And I got, I killed an Ishtar and then the same Ishtar pilot started following me like system to system in a VNI, but he was very timid. I tried to fight him a million times. He would never fight me. I was like, what's this guy? He's just like scouting me. Like I was tackling him. He'd burn a gate and jump. So I was gotten another fight uh, that finished. And then I warped to a gate and he was there and I pulled him off the gate. Like I burned away. He pulled off the gate a little bit. So I started fighting him, but then he deaggressed and went to burn back to the gate. So Casper, what do you think I did? You had him. I, I tried to boosh him, and I I got in, I got scrammed, and he was ah. nuke fit. So he was just so, waiting for that. Yeah, yeah. He I was like, I as soon as I saw the scram and the newts, I was just like, well played, GG. <laughs> that was it. So like, yeah, I lost a a blingy drog to like a VNI. That guy probably wasn't flying implants. He wasn't bling fit. Just a t- typical brawling dr- uh, VNI. They are. They are tough nuts to crack, you know. But uh, that's that's small gang, man. You got, I had to go for the boosh. How'd you not go for the boosh? Like you got to go for the boosh. So whenever I fly booshes, like uh, main box, like blingy uh, command desis, I always get myself in trouble with the boosh. Either doing that, or I I go, yeah, I can get close to those like sixteen caracals because <laughs> um, I have a boosh, and and then even though I know that it blooms my sig to a you know deplorable level, I will not tank anything. Uh, I do it anyway, and then I try to escape because I need to because it's sixteen caracals, and then I blow my sig when I while the MJD is spooling, and I die. I've heard so. that from so many people trying the MJDs that like a few pilots I know now are not even flying them with the actual module at all just to remove the temptation yeah yeah that's me i mean it's only three mids so it's easy because um like i even with not being an, an idiot with the boosh uh on my on my ui uh i would argue that like a scram or a web like a faction scram or web with with interdiction links is really strong so yep. you know i think there's that aspect the too in a more buffer one in a bigger gang never so yeah. that's always a secondary tackle Yep. So that's my Draugr story. I'm loving the Draugr, though. It's fun. So that's that. How about you, Casper? Uh, feeding Vargers, actually. We all know the changes that happened. Uh, they got much, much more damage and lowered the, the Bastion timer. And so we've been doing 1,400 Vargers, you know, as cheap as possible in the mids, because the point is, if you're tackled, you're dead. So literally the whole entire fits like 200 mil or less. And so we've just been, you know, getting Vargers as cheap as we can. And Literally, you can one-tap. Mark just put out a video one-tapping Caracals. He one-tapped uh, Vagabond, actually. All these Jags, everything's just getting one-tapped. And right, so, you know, so it's like 15k it's, volley it's, with It's like with a 20k range. volley. Legitimately what? 20k volley, oh and you God. can hit out like 220 kilometers. And you have a tracking bonus tall. You know, you take some tracking drugs, and the thing is freaking brokenly good. Like, We've died because I tried to kite a Nyx and it didn't work. But anyway, just shit happens and you die. But it's been really, really, really fun. Um, and then the uh, we're going to touch on it a little bit later, I think. But we're, the frigate free-for-all, man, that was a blast. So that's 
definitely on my list of, of things we did it. Uh, and so nice. I think I actually got top killer, you know, other than those stupid uh, burst jamming interceptors, those guys should be shot. But other than that, yeah, that, that's about it. That's awesome. Andy, do you have any uh, recent updates or anything? Uh, well, so I've been more or less out of the game for probably like a solid two weeks, I think, probably since like the last less than 10 episode, um, just with real life stuff. I've had like a project deadline that ran over and so I've been like rushing to get that done. And then it was literally submitted today. Um, but the, like the last couple of days were just kind of like final touch ups. So other than the last two days, I haven't really been playing Eve, but I came back at a really good time. Um, because it was right before we did some of the public eat stuff, which we'll also talk about later. Yeah, for sure. The public eat was fun, and and we are going to talk about it. But first, I think we should move into our our first topic, which is kind of the one uh, that we're going to be we're going to be asking Alec and Andy about more. And I mean, I I can throw in my bits too because I kind of came up in noir. That's where I learned to PvP. Uh, for sure, actually. So like I was in noir for years and years. It's like still kind of feels like my home in Eve. Um, I, I've always I'm still have friends that I've known since 2000 and like 11, 2012, which is all, like a decade. That's insane. But anyway, guys, I don't even play Eve anymore. That I still <laughs> talk to today from noir back in the day, and uh, and it's it's unique, right? Mercenary work in Eve is unique, and we're not talking about like war decks in high sec, although that is part of it. But not like the the mercs, the high sec mercs that like camp the Jita and Doc. We're talking back in the day, it was like, you know, go take do a POS takedown, go do this wormhole stuff, go uh like camp this constellation or this region in Nullsec, and like people don't rat. You're you're there denying, like asset denial. So it's it's pretty sweet stuff. Like I have always um romanticized like mercenary work in eve just from a nerdy role play perspective but i don't know what like you've been doing this for forever alec with a short break so what like what is it about mercenary work in eve that just drives you like i know the whole history of it but uh but what's your whole what's what's what drives you to do it for so there was long? a time when i when i wasn't doing merc stuff um I was kind of a generalist of sorts. Moved into Losec about a week after I created my character. Hooked up with some friends that I had been playing a different game with. And just kind of got a feel for everything. And really quickly, I discovered that I loved the PvP aspect of the game. But I was still quite new. So I spent a bit of time kind of finding my footing. And eventually, I mean, a lot of people out there will know how it is. Circumstances change. Some people leave. Fleet needs FCing more and more. Uh, so you kind of get get tapped into that. So I started becoming a junior FC. We moved out to Nullsec, started getting more and more active, and eventually became the military director for a small alliance. And that was all great. But as I got more and more specialized into PvP and wanted to be more aggressive, especially strategically, like getting involved in wars and, and deploying places so we could fight as opposed to just staying put and roaming locally, it became pretty clear that the industrial elements and more generalist elements of my alliance were not down with that, but I really was. So I decided to go out and try to find a PVP specific group. And kind of around the same time, I was getting really burned out about 
Eve's PvE mechanics in general. And so I wanted to try to find a corp that would let me PvP as kind of like an in-game profession where I could make enough money theoretically that I wouldn't have to do anything else. And I kind of found it. And I was only there for a couple weeks, but they were some of the best weeks to that point that I'd ever had in the game. Those guys wanted to go back into more of a pirate lifestyle. I was not ready to leave the Merc game. So I struck out on my own, got a couple like-minded people to join, went through some struggles for a little bit, and then eventually we got picked up by a small gang mercenary alliance. Back in the day, there was more than one around. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we kind of got taken under their wing, got a little seasoning, got some experience. I learned more and more about the business side of the game. And when that alliance director decided to mothball his corp, we were kind of the only corp left. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right small gang things yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but I, I was determined not to let that be us so I, we picked up the banner and i kind of set about building something that would last and yeah. we have we're like decade now for the corp at least it's crazy yeah it's pretty crazy I and mean, what keeps me coming back to it is the objective gameplay like It's not just going out and roaming the same area over and over or going out and aimlessly trying to find a fight. We have like some kind of objective we're trying to achieve, some mission. And it adds just a little element of structure and challenge to the game that I really haven't been able to get that itch scratched in any other way that I've found, at least on a consistent basis. So That's a fair point. We don't have anything like that. It's literally we're working on the archetype to beat a big ass gang against us. We don't have any objective or anything. That's really interesting to think about. It's, it's like another dimension. And I was thinking about this a lot recently. It it is. It's like when you have a goal and I mean, people like Nullsec people talk about goalposts and like spin, but just ignore all that. And just like have the balls to say, we have a goal. This is our goal fleet corp group that I fly with. And if we don't achieve that goal, then let's just reflect on what we could have done better instead of like, you know, making the goalposts move or whatever, like the yeah. spin in Nullsec. And I get it because it's a, it's, a, you know, the average Nullsec line member needs, might need more motivation and like story. But like to me, Merc small gang stuff, it kind of just like puts that to the side, right? And it's like, let's challenge ourselves and see what we can do, right? Well, more in so a lot of ways, the, the story is kind of built in, right? You're yeah, kinda- yeah, well, that's true you're joining someone else's story. Like usually the people that hire us, they have a struggle that they're engaged in, or there's a thing they want to do, or someone has wronged them or is in the process of wronging them. And they want protection, revenge, some kind of strategic advantage in a big war or some kind of economic opportunity that they see. If only they had a little bit more PVP power to like knock out that guy's Athenor so they could replace it. Like all those kind of things are swirling around and we get to kind of dance in between them all and get a little, little taste of what's going on and all these different interesting layers of the game that don't really get a lot of press. Otherwise, that's why I love talking about contracts on uh, the declarations of war podcast, because it brings out these EU stories from like empire and low sec wormhole space and small Alliance null sec that don't really get a lot of play anywhere else. Yeah, the other thing that I've really liked about it is it kind of adds this dimension to like 
a lot of the contracts you get are kind of like one of two things. They're either kind of the dirty work that no one wants to do, or they're the kind of specialized, really cool things that you need maybe higher SP pilots for, or you need like dedicated pilots and know what they're doing. And so I think like for the kind of the dirty work stuff, it makes it a little bit better knowing that you're getting paid and it's like for a reason and like you have kind of a time frame. And for the the cool stuff, like you don't really need any motivation, but it just makes it that much cooler when like you're getting paid to do it. Yeah. I like what's the like craziest contract you've ever had or done? Cause I, I can think of a couple, but I'd be interested to know what your craziest is. Like the weirdest. The weirdest? I don't that's a oh, good question. Man. There have been a couple. Um I know I know what my favorite is off the top of my head. Like the okay. the invasion contract with for AAA on Providence. Uh AAA had had a history of hiring us for various things. Um so when it came time for them to invade Pravi, like we were just part of their invasion strategy. And so we got half of Providence to just torch and they were going to send their guys on the other half to like actually do strategic stuff. And we, I mean, like the content was overflowing. I wanted to go on a six jump Rome with a duo partner. It took us two hours because we kept like either getting flights or getting like word of a target and we backtracked and it just kept going. Every time we wanted to stop, we was like, Oh no, there's a hauler coming to this gate or, Oh, there's two Drakes that are out ratting. And it's like, Oh, well we got to kill that too. We can't dock now. We got to kill that too. It just nice. kept going. And the whole thing was kind of overlaid with this other element of, this is where I think the weirdest part would come in psychological warfare part of our objective was not just kill people though we were heavily encouraged to do that, but we were kind of like tasked with splintering CVA's coalition to the extent that we could and like literally pry alliances off of Pravi block either by burning them out or some other means. So <laughs> one of our guys created a pirate radio station and we just put a playlist of like revolution songs like stuff from the <laughs> matrix and Bob Marley shit, you know? Nice. And we would link that every time we killed somebody or every time we forced them to dock up along with like propaganda questioning of anyone that would reply to us in local. You're like, so, you know, what happened with this, with this other fleet? Didn't they tell you guys that the AAA had a big super fleet ready to drop on your ships when you guys engaged? Like, it's kind of weird that they threw away all your time like that. Nice. And it was That's just awesome. relentless. And eventually we did, in fact, flip a mid-sized alliance off of Bravi block through basically just that and a little Diplo back channeling. Nice. That's pretty cool. Not the, the AAA the needed the help, but it was pretty fun. Yeah. Some of the contracts that I recall that were odd when I was in Noir were um, the we had contracts during Burn Jita, and they would like Oh, they would yeah. alternate to like be pro or anti ganker each year. It was weird. But then, like, as if that wasn't kind of odd enough, all of a sudden, like, Devlin Goblin got really involved and started bankrolling us. Do you remember like more of the details? It ended in a whole bunch of drama with, with him. Um, I do remember. Like, there, was, there was lots of dirty words written on his blog about noir. Devlin had, uh, 
like an axe to grind against Goon Swarm. It was kind of his whole thing, this anti-Goon, Gurgoons thing. He kind of started it, I guess, or was pretty close to starting it. He's like the Rush Limbaugh or Bill O'Reilly of the anti-Goon movement in EVE. And he had deep pockets, and he was paying us to mess with them. And Bernjita was part of that. The thing he neglected to tell us was that he had a character in one of the other alliances that were burning Jita. And so in the course of us shooting Goon Swarm, which he was paying us to do, we were also shooting these guys because we could. They were like flashy and stuff. And so we wound up popping his alt in like a rift or something ridiculously cheap. And he was so offensed by it that he declined to pay the rest of his bill. We had worked with him so much, we uh, we kind of trusted him to like take more of a percentage-based contract. So rather than accepting all the money up front, it was more of a, I forget what the percentage amount was, but something like 25, 50% of the value of the stuff we killed, he would pay us at the end of it. And we didn't have any reason at that point to think that he wouldn't. But he was so mad that we killed him, <laughs> even though he didn't tell us about this character at all, uh, that he refused to pay. And, you know... When you're mercenary alliance, you can't have that. So we had to very publicly teach yeah. him a lesson on that. And well, so he had hired us to take all these Pocos away from Goonswarm and Goonswarm friendly groups. And we just went and took them all back and gave them away to people that we knew would piss him off. Like we gave one to Goon <laughs> specifically and shit posted. I remember about that. It. Yeah, and we gave like, so I think we gave one to like, uh, Ripper tag. I think we gave one to uh, Minxy. I forget if she was in Signal Cartel at that point, but like, just like anybody and everybody, we just gave him out to random people that that didn't like him or he didn't like. <laughs> just went like, oh, we're gonna keep doing it until you pay or you run out. And it's, it stood out for me. Never paid. You were always very secretive about who was paying us. Um, yeah, yeah it, sure. as like as like um, I don't know, like you know, you have these rules you kind of set for yourself. And as a mercenary, it was like, hey guys, like it doesn't matter who's paying us. You don't need to know. I don't need to tell you in case somebody tells their friend and blah blah blah. So no one needs to know. But when that shit happened, you were like, it was Gevlon Goblin. This motherfucker's not paying us. <laughs> it was just Gevlon like Goblin, and this is how much like, the bill was. And yeah, yeah. it's just like <laughs> everything's on the table, boys. Gloves off. It was pretty funny. But yeah, yeah that was back was in the day, man. We don't even talk about employers internally unless they publicly disclose to like a third party that they were that they've hired us. So like we've worked with groups that a third party has paid us to help them. Sometimes it is the group that we're helping. Sometimes it's the opposite group trying to like start some drama. That's happened once or twice. Uh, sometimes it's big alliances who don't want to trace back to them. Sometimes it's big alliances who don't care or maybe a part of their strategy that it is known that they're responsible for it. So it, it comes all over, but yeah, if you don't, if you don't pay, that's a problem. Most of the time when you're doing Merc stuff, it's all up front to prevent yeah, yeah. this exact scenario. But you know, when you have clients that you work for, quite a bit you kind of build up a relationship with them and you know you're more willing to put trust in them and you know I'll, i will say that it, he's not the first person we've done that for nor the last he's the only one of them that's ever burned us like that most people yeah. are pretty cool about it 
Casper, have you ever in in all your years of playing Eve, have you ever like got paid to do PvP things? No, never, never. I was trying to think about this, and actually, I started this game in '04, and the very, very first thing I did after I mined in a thorax for a little bit is there was always this other guy in the other belt mining in the thorax. I'm like, well, I wonder if I get him to pay me. So I'd go point him in low sec and told him to pay me, and that's actually how I started this game was that, but you know that's the other side of this going i guess not never never actual contractor hey will you do something for me for a cost didn't you uh casper when we were talking about like ways to make this didn't you say that for a while you did like cloaky camping and you would like get people to pay you to not uh yeah that's this? fair enough that that is well, true so yeah, in college i guess the, yeah that's true that totally counts yeah, more right. the extortion side of things but like yeah. we've the <laughs> people. It's just, you know, paying yourself instead of being paid by a third party. It used to be Nora's yeah, bread and butter for the longest time. We would go into a region or a constellation and just camp there. And we wouldn't quite be AFK because because then, of course, they can just do their thing and ignore you. We'd yeah. be not AFK enough that they wouldn't dare untuck. I mean, like, that's the thing is the difference between a mercenary and a pirate like a mercenary contract and like basically a pirate extortion deal is just it's just like essentially uh when the the action happens you you like an extortion you do something to threaten someone and then get paid and mercenaries get paid and then threaten someone right like that's the that's the big yeah so no difference yeah, a little more uh, trustworthiness in it too. But yeah, that's really the the point of it. I think the big difference between NAR and certainly a lot of the other groups that are out there now, and historically most, but not all of the groups that have tried mercenary work, a lot of alliances will be open to taking money to do a fight or maybe go on campaign for a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but NAR, it's like our full-time thing. So I'd estimate like, 80 to 85 percent of the year we are on contract doing some deployment or campaign or moving to some deployment or campaign and the rest of the time we're kind of just taking r&r doing random small gang stuff or maybe personal campaigns for us because there's something we need to do for a lot of other alliances they'll take a contract every once in a while or maybe it's 25 percent of their time for us it's like it is our gameplay yeah, for sure. But maybe uh, you should tell tell us all about the contracts you guys just had. You want to get into the recaps or what? Oh yeah, Andy, were you around for the first one? I forget. Uh, I was around for a few days on the first one at the very beginning, and then that's when I kind of had to step away and do real life stuff. Oh, it was a clusterfuck. <laughs> 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 like it is. It's the second biggest single battle loss that nor any of the alliances who've been have ever had. Uh, And it was totally one-sided. Like, we killed nothing in exchange. Practically nothing. Uh, It's just... I mean, there's no excuses for it. Like, we just really fucked up. We brought this big, pricey Lashak Nestor fleet to reinforce an Astro House. It was going pretty well. We got the initial reinforcement, no problem. The next one comes around, and in the in between, we lost hole control. Some guys had got in, and we kind of knew what to expect because we had scouted like 10 or so legions that got in. But we were 
pretty cool with fighting 10 legions and we we like checked up kill boards and stuff and we saw that they could field 20 and even then we're like ah that's gonna be tight but not totally not totally undoable if they just have legions and no like other support so we actually were willing to take this fight but what happened was they spiked the wormhole on the timer with a lot more than 20 legions all told, I think it was like 27, almost 30. Just a little bit more than we probably could have taken. So the game plan was our fleet was aligned. We were going to warp off as soon as they showed up in D-Scan so we could get a full sense of their fleet. Um, you know, we, we were just kind of getting intel of like what was decloaking. But it was kind of, you know, it was a little hard to keep track of, let's just say, and all the craziness. So we were going to warp off get a stock of what they had and then either take the fight or go back to the pass and sit. But we were probably going to take the fight if they were less than 25. Now they weren't, but we were willing if they were, uh, we had three, six, nine, 12, about 12, but our ships were much heavier. And I think our comp was a little bit better. The issue was, as we warped off, our nesters had been pulsing afterburners to try to keep up with the Lashaks, which are a little bit faster. And they were just happened to be caught mid-cycle as they landed a Dictor on them. So our fleet warped off, and more than half of our logistics didn't come with it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think all our logistics. I wasn't there, but from the recap, it sounded like all the, the nesters got caught. No, we got two off safely. Oh, okay. Yeah. But at that point, it wasn't nearly enough. It was already a super tight fight. So when I saw them get tackled, I briefly had us align back to them. But before we even finished aligning, the first one popped. And I was like, okay, well, that fight's fucked. So aligned back to our pass and warped. And they had taken their saber. And they had put it in between our pass and the Aster House. And like some dum-dums, we got lazy. We didn't put any guns up on the staging tower. So it was free to like sit there and bubble away. So we warped right into a bubble. And we Gosh. did our best to try to burn out of it, but lost pretty much the entire fleet. The only thing that well, three of us made it out. So we lost over 75% of the fleet. The uh, only thing that survived was a Balgor and Mila Shack and our absolution. Uh, total butcher's bill, 12.6 bill in loss. And we killed the saber. <laughs> small Last victories. It's, yeah. Yeah. This is where we tell you about a common small gang tactic we refer to as the dictor feed so that the battle report looks better. <laughs> yes, sir. Because <laughs> then it would have your whole fleet on it instead of just the people that died. <laughs> Uh, that's too funny that sucks dude so yeah. what was like how'd you guys come back what was the feeling like in 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 comms after did you go well, red alec i i was i was pretty hot but i was also just kind of defeated i think it was mostly hot because i had just told like specifically told the nester pilots to pulse their afterburners like as minimally as possible to prevent this exact scenario and i think that like at the time i felt that they didn't do that. And I was really mad about it, but I think honestly that they did. And it was just bad timing. Yeah. Just some unfortunate timing. So 
Shout out to Unchained Alliance. They played that really well. And we talked to their FC afterward. They had probes out and everything. So even if we had taken the fight if, with the whole fleet warping off, they would have fought us at our tactical. If we had gone back to the tower, they would have had us bubbled up. If we had tried to like ping at the tower, they would have probed us and tackled us there. Like there was no scenario in which our fleet was not going to fight them. It's mm-hmm. kind of unfortunate knowing that in hindsight, I would have just stayed put and, and see how well we could do. We didn't really get a chance to do that. So that kind of sucked. Yeah. I don't know if it got mentioned or not. I might've just missed it, but I think the one thing, at least like watching discord and stuff that made it like kind of extra suck was the fact that like, they weren't even the contract target. So they were just third partying because they wanted to fight. They saw that we were bashing this structure and trying to evict this guy. And they found an entrance and brought their whole fleet in kind of thing. So it wasn't even like they were there to like stop us from doing what we were trying to do. They just saw that we had ships and we're trying to do something. And we're like, oh, we can go shoot these guys. Yeah, apparently they had some history with this guy. And so they had a prober in his wormhole already and we're keeping eyes on everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which also sucked. Like, we kind of, um, we had, like, I scrolled back and looked, and we had even talked about the potential that this guy, that they had someone seated in this wormhole because they had killed this guy multiple times. But being, again, the mercenary thing, you have to have that goal, right? Not doing it wasn't an option. So we had to figure out a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. And this was the best solution that we could come up with with what we had on hand and what we thought that they were going to bring. So we were going to like just field the best fleet that we could see what they could bring. And if it was remotely even just try to fight it out. And it just, we botched the execution of it. Didn't work. You guys also the objective kind of thing. We, it's pretty interesting doctrine too, though. Hey, Uh, it's uh, pretty standard these days. Yeah. Just like the amount of rep power is, fucking insane because all the Lashaks are RR. Yes. And then you guys run like full full rep nesters like cap injected full rep nesters which is an insane amount of reps if you can keep the cap going. Yeah it's the old uh, Noir Breakfast Club fit. It is pretty tanky. Uh, Honestly we probably overdid it. Maybe should have had one less nester one more Lashak but you know, this is who turned up. So this is what we rolled with. Mm-hmm. But we were cool. also kind of concerned because the Astro House we were fighting, like it was properly fit. So, you know, new CCMs uh, at any given time, at least three or four of our logistics wasn't going to work. So we had to make sure that we could tank the rest of it with what we had. Now we couldn't give up. Again, goal-based PvP, we couldn't default on the contract just because we took a big loss. So we had to suck it up, put our big boy pants on, and do the only noir thing that we could do, which was hop in some stealth bombers and <laughs> reinforce it the coward's way. Nice. That's which we did. So we reinforced it again. Unchained Alliance turned up again. And... Uh, they actually helped us finish it off, which was pretty classy of them. Nice. So that was the first contract, right? And you guys had two recently, is that right? Yeah, so that that took a pretty big toll on our on our SRPs, as you can imagine. And then we had a second contract where this one was pretty interesting. Not the weirdest contract, but it was pretty cool. 
We were hired to attack this guy's wormhole, specifically timed when he was going to attack someone else's wormhole. So, like, presumably, his best fleet and pilots would not be there. And the plan was that the person whose wormhole he was attacking was going to try to trap them in there for as long as possible. And we could, like, keep hole control and stuff. It kind of worked for a little while until they did, in fact, break out and got into the wormhole, which we figured they would. But, you know, it is what it is. We maintained control for as long as we could, but they were really strong in European time zone, and we let it slip. And as soon as they did, they started ringing their bat phone. And we're just like, man, we're trying to get more people in here. Their numbers at this point are still takeable if we could get the people we had outside the wormhole, inside the wormhole to fight. So we were trying to work on a way we could do that. Uh, We saw an opportunity to try to fight them on a wormhole for control because one of their Drekovics was sat there by himself. The rest of his fleet had just warped off. If we could pop him, the loss of DPS and rep power for their fleet would have been pretty good. We were running uh, Taluses at the time. It was in a C4 cataclysmic variable, which gives a bonus to remote rep. So our plan was to bring enough alpha to pop them. And we couldn't do that with tornadoes or other artillery boats because we didn't have the numbers. But fun fact about the Talos, if you fit it right, it can get two shots off before armor rep cycle. So you multiply the alpha strike of a Talos times two and look like a very doable number for us. So we tried that. We didn't have enough on field at the time because people were still coming in from outside the hole. So we did not kill it quickly enough. And their bat phone turned up through that same hole while we were on it and brought in like a nice sized Icatursa fleet. Well, we extracted most of our fleet successfully. It did take one or two losses, but it was nothing too bad. They reinforced our staging tower. We saved the staging tower. We re-reinforced their Astra house. Except the strat for this one, I, I didn't time it right. I thought I put in uh, 36 hours, but I only put in 24. So it popped out right in their prime time. Oof. Yeah. We tried everything we could to get enough numbers to save it, but they outnumbered us like four to one just when they had whole control the whole time. So it wasn't happening. That died, but we moved everything out. So we only lost like four or 500 there. Not too bad. And while all this is going on, our employer, I can say that because he publicly announced it in a cool YouTube video, was like kicking the shit out of their invasion fleet, like really shaming them. So it kind of worked from our employer's perspective. Like it sucked for us, but it did split the attacking forces that were bothering him and he was able to beat them. So maybe up success actually. Yeah, op success, not exactly great in terms of our margins, but, you know, it's pretty good. This video that your employer made is actually very cool. He did a really good job. Yeah, I didn't know that he was like a a YouTuber when he hired us, but uh, he's actually got some cool narrative skills. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not like the video style that I'm used to in it, and he did a nice job. So props to that. We should put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's definitely worth a watch. I have a, a random off-topic, a little bit question for you, Alec. How do you, uh, how do you choose your rates? Say somebody, somebody comes at you with, he wants this target, this, 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 whatever he has asking for. How do you actually choose your rate? Ooh, that's a big question. 
it's standardized more yeah. now than it used to be just because we're kind of been very stable in terms of our size. I usually think about how much, uh, how many people and how much damage we can do. That's kind of a mix. How difficult and dangerous is the target going to be? Uh, and then kind of like, what's our recent track record been? What's a, how many competitors of ours are out there? If I know that I have to undercut somebody, then, you know, I will. <laughs> if I know that somebody's charging way too much for this, then I can be a little more liberal with it. Mm-hmm. There isn't really a competitor for Noir out there right now, so that's kind of tossed out the window. I mainly more think about what what are what are our chances of like delivering on this? Like I wouldn't charge somebody, say if we were gonna go into Nullsec and do like some kind of black ops campaign. I'm not gonna charge them a vast amount more than I expect us to actually do in damage. So looking back on our most recent campaigns of that type, what have we been able to actually do, put on the kill board and have an effect? And I'll kind of base the price off of that so that you know we're still giving our employer a good deal compared to how much he's hurting his target of choice but it's also worth it for us in terms of the value of our time and you know deploying somewhere and all the risk of ships and that kind of thing now do you instate a timeline for a target or is that up to your employer how long he wants you to be doing this for it depends on the contract type. Most of the time it's up to me because we'll typically have a backlog. Like there'll be three or four people that have hired us for stuff that we need to, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we can do more than one thing at once, depending on what it is. But if we're hired to be down in Delve, we can't very well do a wormhole eviction. So there has to be some sense of priority and it's usually first come first serve, first paid rather first served. So we'll have a bit of a waiting list, but I'll usually coordinate with the employers as they come up in order and make sure that if our job requires any kind of timing specifically that it works for them. Typically that'll come in if we have to like destroy a structure and the employer wants to put up their own to replace it. That's usually something we have to coordinate with them, but sometimes it's whatever, like they just want to see this particular alliance harassed for two or three weeks. And whenever we can get to it is fine, usually. Yeah. How much but, to try and target some Alliance tournament ships uh, on a Keepstar grid in a, in a C2 null sex static wormhole? Uh, do you have it seated? Do you have it? Uh... <laughs> Just kidding, Casper. Uh-huh. I, I, would, I wouldn't contract Noir. I'd contract, <laughs> I'd contract one hole. Yeah, right. Uh, shots fired. Just kidding, guys. It's all good. So we were coming off the these two contracts. They were kind of low points for us. And then we had our final contract of the bunch. And at this point, uh, I was like, yo, I know these last two contracts have been brutal. I know we all want a break. I want to give you a break. We took this guy's money already. He's waiting on us. We've got to do it. Let's just do this job. And this job was a wormhole extraction contract. So normally we're paid to kick people out or prevent them from being kicked out. In this case, this guy wanted to leave and he just wanted to make sure he could do so safely with all of his stuff. Uh, so that was kind of cool, actually. Uh, the guy was really nice. It wound up getting us some content. We had a Drake versus Drake brawl in a wormhole space. <laughs> Faye, and I told yeah. Faye about it. He was like, what year is this? 
Yeah, I, I saw the Killboard feed on our Alliance Discord pop in with like Drakes, and I was like, killing Drakes. I clicked on it and I see like the Noir fleet was Drakes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. What year is this? What the fuck? Shout out to 2009. Right. That's cool though, Drake on Drake. It was cool. It was it was fun. And actually, like the the actual fight of it was very interesting. We were fighting on a destroyed Fortizar grid. So there were all these cans scattered all around. And the fleets were trying to like position around each other with their fleet trying to like get a favorable warp on us and us trying to catch them before they could. And as that was going on, one or two of their ships were starting to fall behind and our tacklers were able to get a hold of one or two of them, including one of their lodgies. So we managed to pop them. We tried to dictor bubble them on the outworm hole so we could sandwich them, but they managed to hit warp before we got it down. So unfortunately they did escape, but it was very interesting fight and small gang wise, very cool because it was literally the, one pilot was the difference. Maybe two. Uh, Ovix, one of our pilots, was bringing in a third basilisk, which we needed because they had uh, ECM, they had a Kitsune. We couldn't fight him with just two. And then uh, Dalv, which is one of our top European pilots in FCs, was just being super dynamic with his Loki, landing all kinds of tackles. He killed their Saber, he killed their Kitsune, he killed, uh, he got a tackle on a Drake. And he got a warp in for someone else to get tackle on their logistics, which is like awesome. So between those two, they basically turned the fight for us. That's sick. Nice. And TLDR, we've got uh, over six and a half bill in loot to fully refund our SRP. So talk about a roller coaster. <laughs> That's awesome. For the next feed, right? That's the yeah. Well, that's the way. Top it up. No, it'll happen because we're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but we're also the best alliance you can buy. <laughs> that's an amazing tagline. <laughs> we're terrible, but we're also the best alliance you can buy. That's too good. That's nice. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I always like. I've always listened to declarations of war uh, forever. Um, so I, I like podcasts and like Eve, and, and it's a great podcast, and it's been around for ages. And like I always like the contract recaps. It's always interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe it's because I'm biased. But I definitely like there's this, like I said, that's for like I romanticize the mercenary stuff. And you kind of have to because like sometimes it's it's pretty shit gameplay sometimes. But um like if you remove the challenge and the contract portion and like the Merc role play, it can be pretty tough sometimes when it's like a bad job. Sometimes it's amazing. But um yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty interesting. I mean, sometimes I we get hired for it. jobs that I think Andy kind of touched on this. We get hired for jobs that people can't do because it's too hard or they don't want to do because it's too boring, but they've got money to get someone else to do it. Yeah. You kind of have to take the good with the bad. Um, and I guess that's that's true for small gang, too, where, you know, you get a lot of fights that either don't go your way or you spend a lot of time setting it up and they don't happen at all. It's kind of the same thing, but different context. Yep. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to touch on before we moved into the next topic? Any, no. Any the thing stuff? that you put time into that you want to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, actually did go somewhere. Let's talk about the public eat fleet. Yeah. So, I mean, we did this pretty early in less than 10 history. 
very like smaller though. It was, I was just like, Hey, let's just get some people from the discord and start roaming. And like, if we get too big, we'll just get into multiple groups. And it's, it's interesting. Cause okay. So like the whole reason that blood and I had started less than 10 was to promote small gang and try and grow it. Right. And be like, be a little more inclusive and welcoming and helpful and things like that. That's the whole goal. Um, and public fleets are really good at getting people into PVP. That's like, you can't dispute that fact. But the problem with public fleets is as soon as they are deemed a success uh, by like turnout, right? You, you aren't small gang anymore. Like you've got what, like 20, 25, 15 oh. people even. Like it gets to the point where it's not really small gang anymore. So we came up with this idea where we would just host a public PVP fleet, public small gang, but we were just going to split off into as many groups as we had to, to, to make sure everyone had a, a group. And turns out last night, like when we did it, I came down to my computer, sat down. It was 10 minutes before the posted time. I had pre-staged myself in Jita. I look at Discord and I have a, a portrait side monitor, a 27 inch 1080p portrait. So vertical, lots of vertical space. I looked at the channel and I couldn't see anything else other than people's names. <laughs> There was it like was 50 insane. people in Discord. And I was like, uh, okay. Like I posted like it on Reddit. Fives. I posted it on Reddit a day before and I pinged to our Discord. But I guess the Discord has 1,500 people in it and Reddit is Reddit. And and all the Reddit uh, feedback was really good except for one salty Nelsecker. Um, <laughs> There's always one. Who just, who just was convinced that it was a ploy to uh, to, you know, killed new players i guess i don't know but there were some new people that showed up and they said they had a good time so yeah like 50 people we had like eight groups of of anywhere between um six and eight people basically it, so it was pretty awesome i i felt good um so it went really well we got everyone sorted pretty quick everyone needed pretty quick some groups took some more time to like make you know more like sweaty comps shout out ap who, who <laughs> there were some AP, hilarious <laughs> so AP took everyone in Vagabonds except for one Slepner with links and him in a malediction. I found it very ironic that like, you know, the guy that loves to complain about people flying his fit, he like put seven of them in his fit and then he flew a malediction. <laughs> Do -do -do. <laughs> it's just, I loved it. It was, uh, it was good. And, and, you know, like, it's funny because in the small game community, everyone likes to give each other shit and like discord gets a little spicy sometimes, but when you like actually get on comms with people, people are actually adults and, and pretty civil and great and welcoming and, and inclusive and all those good things. Right. So, so there was all kinds of comps. They all went out and I was just like, all right, I'm just going to play Walmart greeter. Um, I'm going to bounce <laughs> around and everyone, Casper, Casper, everyone, Hi. every group made the same comment. Guess what that, that comment was. What was the comment? Feral, nope. what the fuck? Yeet one is stacked. <laughs> yeet, yeet one is stacked, Feral. What the hell? <laughs> and then I looked at it and I was like, I didn't move Casper there. How did Casper get in Yeet one? For context, it was what Emilio, Casper, and Bjorn, Bjorn were all on <laughs> Yeet oh one. God. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and some pretty solid other guys, too. Like, what yeah, yeah I forget. Uh, I was like, okay, guys, who's who? Like, I knew some people would, so I just put them in. Cause I wanted like at least one person that could direct 
you know, hey, you should fit this. And they would know enough to go kind of where to go to get a fight. And they would be confident enough to like, you know, have the grid awareness to tell people like, you got to burn faster, catch up, catch up, burn towards us, stuff like that. Call targets, that kind of thing. So I made sure people were split up. And then I didn't recognize a lot of the names. Like I know quite a few people in EVE. I've been playing for a long time. But like a lot of the names I didn't recognize because there were people who were new to Small Gang. There were people, there was a... um a person in a corp that messaged me earlier in the day and they were like, look, we're wormholers, but my, my whole corp wants to come out for this. And none of them, like none of them have done small gang. Is that okay? And I was like, okay, yeah, absolutely. I love, that's amazing. Like, hell yeah. And, and, you know, I put a lot of trust in people who are sometimes pretty rude, but uh, everyone was, (laughs) everyone was really good. Um, Everyone was, was super nice. And like, I'm just joking around when I say that because people like Amelia, Amelia is like, the the perfection of what you want like he is the person you want showing people how to pvp in my opinion like he's just so positive i don't know how he is in like goran stuff but every time i fly with him or or see see him in public he's very positive and welcoming and stuff and that's the kind of vibe i wanted right so i just picked people alex to answer your question got people into groups and then i just started throwing people in in kind of balanced ways um i didn't want because you somehow found a way to get an entire community that is notorious for like freaking out if there's more than a few of them in the same place at the same time. (laughs) And you managed to get this huge event and structure it in such a way that everyone in that community not only had a good time, but it was also friendly to people who were really trying it out for the first time. And I think that's a huge kudos to you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thank you. But I mean, it was like... I only organized it. I mean, and I didn't like, I didn't do that great of an organizational job. I'm just really OCD. So I like organization. I'm like an organized person by nature. So there was a little bit, but it wasn't that hard. Um, Like I, I took it upon myself after everyone got going and all I did was I bounced around and I got everyone to stream to discord if they, if they could. And I would like see where they were and like check up on them. And that was actually, it was really fun. I didn't get to roam until later, but it was really cool. I feel like two hours. That's all I did was like bounce channels and talk to people and see how it was going and see where they were. And the one highlight, it was super cool. There were two groups that were near each other. Like, sorry, two pairs of groups. So four groups that were near each other. So like two sets of two groups near each other. And uh, the one group, um, it was totally organic. They they found each other and fought. And at the same time, I had seen that one of the groups was roaming towards a, uh, a system that I knew the other group was just in. So I popped into the other group's channel. channel. I was like, hey, guys, uh, are you still near you know XXY TAC? And they're like, no, no, we just moved. We're like a jump away. We're going to yeet in 30 seconds. And I was just like, I don't know if that's, the, that's not a good idea to <laughs> yeet again. And then I just left channel. And sure enough, they turned around and went back to the system and had a big fight. So, like, it's it's interesting that, and this this like kind of speaks to the filaments in general. Filaments are so goddamn amazing when there's multiple people using them at the same time because you will get people going to the same place. And when when filaments, I haven't seen filament stats. But um, I think we're going to have CCP Rise on our show sometime soon. So I should ask him about usage because when filaments were new, I 
constantly got fights against other gangs that were yeeting. You know, you'd see them in a group of five. You'd kill them and they'd have filaments in their hold. You know, they would say they're yeeting. <laughs> um, and, and I never really do now. I never see them when I'm yeeting. So it just, this like, if, if one thing this event kind of stressed me, it's how awesome filaments can be. Or even Eve can be when there's people in space. Like, man, it, I, I have, like, hard times roaming sometimes trying to find fights. That's no secret. It's difficult. I don't know if I could not play Eve every single day if, if there were way more people in space. I, I don't think I'd be able to stop playing. I think I would be unhealthily addicted to the game. <laughs> and I'm pretty, know. like... You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's, it's such a big thing for smogging to have lots of people in space, just more content opportunities since it's so hard to find. Yeah, the and alternative man. is the frustrating part. Like, you finally sit down, you get some time to play, you want to go out and fight, you've got your ship ready, maybe have two or three people to come with you, and you can roam around for literally hours and not see a single thing worth biting. Yeah. yeah and that's and why that this kinda... event was so helpful, too, because... Try being a new person to small gang and doing that when you don't know where to go or you don't know like what you can fight. You know what I mean? Like it's frustrating for people who do it a lot. Try being a new person, you know? Andy, like, what's up? Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of going to be my point too. It's like one of the things like going back to the Reddit guy, like the meme is that small gangers just like to go like catch ratters, kill them and then like run away when an actual response comes. But a lot of times like what we're looking for isn't the ratter that's sitting in an anom like the reason you catch him and kill him is to try to like piss people off enough to come fight you so that you can get a good fight and when there's other people filamenting around like that's what you're looking for you're literally looking for a group of people who want to fight you yeah we'll see i don't know if it'll ever get to that point where it's like filaments are that prevalent but we'll see well, I wonder if they could come out. I mean, it seems like they can do just about anything with filaments. It seems like it's versatile code. They could probably have something that filaments to places other people have filamented recently. <laughs> like specifically <laughs> oh, as a type you of filament. want to take a small gang filly. Here you go. Yeah, why not? Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, obviously this event we did, I would deem it a, a large success. I do want to do it again. Um. What would you do differently I mean, this time around if you did it? A, oh, you're going to do it a second time. What should people yeah. look for? Well, I'll do the same thing. I'll shout it out. Um, I'll try and hype it a little more. But I think for what I would do differently, I think I might try and set do a little more organiza- organizing beforehand. And I might try to incorporate this. This could be really dumb, but I might have thera as incorporate thera somehow i'm kind of i'm kind of i don't know i'm thinking out loud right now a little bit but like yeets are good but like it's tough to get people to catch back up so like once people started dying um it can be it can like throw a wrench in the spokes and instantly stop things when like you lose half your fleet and it's really difficult to get more people to you the people that died are now back in Jita. Um, so we'll see. I'm still kind of thinking about it. I don't know. Maybe maybe have like a Jita and a Thera stage for different groups. But it just depends. If the Thera connections are good and there's Thera near Jita, then it's great, right? Easy. Right. Easy. easy. But, but you we'll can't see. guarantee that. That's the thing. Yeah. And then the other thing, the dream 
the dream stretch goal um if we get if we get 30 patreon supporters is uh i'm just kidding uh is gonna be i want to stream it i want to like have everyone stream to discord and then uh me or me and someone else commentate and like pop in and out channels much like i was doing but like talk about the comps um so like see what they're flying and then talk about the comps a little bit and pop another channel and then when people get fights i'd have them just like x up on an in-game channel um have like all the you know someone from each group in the channel and if they x up i would pop into their channel and then commentate on the fight as it's happening oh Um, i love that dude that sounds great yeah i don't know how well it would work like again Kind I think of it'd be weird... sick. We should at least try it once. Yeah. It's like AT commentating, but on a natural event. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, on roaming, right? Um, yeah. And I think I like the sound of my voice enough. The... To, to they did something similar it. with the race. Was it uh, Eve's most dangerous race or something like that? The Great Race. I forget what the event was called. But it was kind of like a global scavenger hunt. Yeah. And there was a lot of hopping between various streams like that. Um, doesn't it didn't sound my memory of it is it wasn't quite as smooth as what you're talking about, but mm-hmm. as far as engaging content, I'd have to say yes. Uh, it was super cool to allow the host to be able to follow the action and for everyone to see like what was going on and who was near an objective and what was going on, like were gangs fighting each other because that was also a thing, which could be a thing for your next event. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, there was uh, there was more than one occasion. I think there was like three occasions of our gangs fighting each other as well as, you know, other people. But, you know, as is the nature of small gangs, some groups got better fights, you know, more fights. One group got like, you know, gate camped in Delve like hard and died like stuff like that. Um, it happens. But yeah, it was it was great. So we're going to do it again. And I hope to see another big turnout. And Oh, one thing is, like I said, Discord. I don't know, like, Discord's great, but it was difficult moving people into, like, eight different channels using the interface of Discord. Like, I just want to say that. But I don't want to force people to download Mumble or TeamSpeak or something like that, too. So, I don't know. Click move to option would not be a mess if any Discord devs are listening. (laughs) I just, I couldn't, like, click and drag and then scroll down the channel list you know what i mean and the channels were all full of people that i could see so and I as i say of... that I, I i check it now and they do in fact have exactly what i just said if you right click someone uh you can you have like a little eve style nested menu you can move nice. to a different channel oh there we go that's yeah we're figuring it out live right now Here's <laughs> perfect so yeah, i don't know do you guys have any like favorite moments of the of the the yeet night um my experience was pretty rough i wanted to be there at the start of it but uh rl circumstances prevented i was really happy to see that it was still going almost an hour and a half later i was able to get in on it but my getting in on it was (laughs) short-lived and very pricey as 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 could happen yeah yeah we had one good thing where we we managed to get a defense fleet out of m-o about three minutes too late. So we wound up not getting a fight out of them. So anyone anyone out there in NullSec alliances, which will be some of the declarations of war listeners, when someone's going in your ESS and you want to fight them, keep in mind the timer. Six minutes. Chop, chop. Form up. Let's go. (laughs) Right. Stop worrying about how many Cerberuses you have. Just get enough to fight and go. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that that was rough. 
it happened to us twice too. Like twice we left ESSs right as a fleet was either about to come or had already like warped to it and was about to jump through the gate and we were just leaving the bubble and we were like, man, like <laughs> if we would have waited like a minute or two, like we would have gotten a really good fight. But it's important to note that the comp was purely designed to throw down directly on top of the beacon as people come in. So yeah, our, our comp was <laughs> literally to fight at zero on the beacon. Oof. So the second we moved, we were like, oh, we're over. Dang. Yeah. How about you, Casper? Uh, you guys had a pretty sweaty comp, right? Yeah, we had a actually really sweaty comp. We had a, a Garmer, a Caracal, uh, a Tengu, and then I was in a Scimitar, and then a Drake Navy. And so we had some some actually pretty good coordination going on, and we're looking for good fights. Um, actually, one of the guys that came with me was a new bro, and he got his ninth ever kill. So that was pretty cool. Um you know, getting somebody, he was like super, super stoked about it. It was just a gank. We tried to hold the guy to get a fight, but nothing happened. And the guy was like, well, why aren't you killing him? Like he wanted this kill my really bad. And he was super excited. So it was really cool to hear that kind of organic, you know, like, oh my God, we're going to kill somebody shakes that you can hear in these guys. That was I think, pretty cool. Uh, I think the new bro might, might've been one of our new bros. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Looking at, I think he's one of our Academy pilots. Did he That's he awesome. did really well. Like he, he flew as he should. He had to leave early, so I don't think he died. But it was really fun. Um the fight ended or the whole night ended. Uh we got Vargard by some very decent pilots and uh rather fittingly after flying to Vargard all this time, so I literally got one shot in a scimitar from entirely full shield to nothing. Oh my like, god. With this fight had been going on five, six minutes. It was actually a really, really fun fight. It was Amelia was alive, screening for us in a Bifrost. And then Bjorn was in his Tengu. And then I was in a the Scimitar against a Varger plus, I think it was like four um, Phantasms and a couple support. And it was just super, super fun. Like everyone was flying really, really well. The Varger luckily was still missing, 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 just going. And all of a sudden, Varger, you know, one shots me, one shots Amelia, and then Bjorn just gets two shot. So, you know, for six minutes, it was real good. And then, you know, whatever. But everyone had fun. You know, it was really, really successful. The two new bros we had sounded like they had a great, great time. And, you know, it was just a really positive experience. Spicy. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, we'll do it again. We'll do it again, right? We'll do it again, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you want to take us out, Faye? Yeah, well, let's let's move into shout outs. You guys do shout outs, right? We can do shout outs. We definitely yeah. do shout outs. Yeah, sick. I know that. I've done shout outs on your podcast before. All right. Well, I'll go first because we we're just talking about it. But I want to give a shout out to everyone that showed up because it was pretty overwhelming. And uh, every time I kind of put something out there like a project or something I want to do, uh, I'm kind of met with a lot of enthusiasm and uh, and and success. So I want to thank everyone for doing that and people who like listen to lesson 10 and hang out in discord and stuff. Cause it's a cool feeling to like have little projects that succeed. Um, and I couldn't do it without everyone who, who shows up. So thank you. Casper, you got anything? Yeah. Um, again, what we just talked about, I was going to do a, a personal shout out to Bjorn. You know, everyone knows Bjorn's a streamer and goes and brawls a bunch, but Man, he was telling me this is his first or second four-way, four-yay, whatever that word is there. Uh, attempt, way, right? Yeah, yeah. Attempt into a, like, kiting, you know, not just kind of, like, brawling it out, tanking it out like a man, do a little bit of chest or feathering. But, dude, the guy actually killed it. 
He was in a 100-mm uh, heavy missile Tengu, literally spiraling underneath this Varga. You're not getting hit, doing the correct thing. Uh, he'd come in, he'd screen. If somebody needed a screen, he'd go out, he communicated well. And I was just like freaking stoked for this dude that you wouldn't think would be a decent pilot. Ah, I'm no hate, Bjorn, if you're listening to me. But man, the guy flew epic, so shout out to him. That's awesome. Andy, you, you, you got anything? Yeah, I mean, I guess mine's along the same vein, but I'll kind of specifically shout out the people who stepped up and were like, willing to lead groups, because especially when it's kind of like, you don't know who you're going to get in your geek group and that kind of thing, like, just um, being able to, like, step up and say, like, yeah, sure, I'll help organize or whatever was, like, a huge help, and I think that part of why it went so smoothly is because people were, like, willing to just kind of step in and take charge and that kind of thing, so it was really cool to see people say that. Yeah, exactly. Alec, shout out. Yeah, I'm going to give shout outs to Artemis Albosa and Levitain, the two other co-hosts of the Declarations of War podcast who couldn't be with us today. Uh, Lave, because he's in Europe. Artemis just wouldn't work with his new job. Uh, but they are absolutely indispensable and awesome co-hosts. I've had this co-host set for Declarations of War for like, it's been years, I think, at this point. It's the longest it's ever been one cohesive unit. And I'm really happy with that. Um, Declarations of War being Eve's oldest podcast. It's had quite a few co-hosts go through it, but this is by far the longest and best. So shout out to those guys. And one more quick shout out to Primus Fortune. He's uh, one of the unsung heroes of Noir. So I want to give him him some love because he doesn't always get it, but he is a workhorse. And uh, yeah, he's just, he bleeds black. He's amazing. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's the show. First first joint show between us, but it probably shouldn't be the last because this was pretty cool and fun. And uh, yeah. So with that, just remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it.